Hi, we're the Fancy Joes. I am at Roto Librarian Ryan Livergood. Join me this evening from Minneapolis, Minnesota, from the Pillow Palace, the world famous Pillow Palace. It's Will the Thrill Greenwood. Uh, recently released due to that there isn't a lot of uh, sports going on or other news besides anything about our you know the COVID nineteen world that we live in. Uh, the the Greenwood Pillow Palace is currently twelfth on the list of best pillow palaces in the world. And I'd like to get that moved up. So everybody out there, go to PillowPalaceRankings.com and let's move, let's move this so much up. That's PillowPalaceRankings.com. You are in for quite a treat, listeners, because for those of you that are not um, supporting us on Patreon, which is, which is fine, uh, that's Patreon.com slash Fancy Joes if you're interested. This is a Patreon Joes version of the show. And basically on the Patreon Joes version, we, we talk some dynasty, some fantasy. We'll, we'll probably talk about more of that than we do on the Patreon Joes. But we also just kind of talk about whatever comes to our mind. So this is not a pure uh, dynasty football podcast, Will, tonight. We're, we're going to go off the cuff as we do on the Patreon show and just kind of give our, people a little taste, maybe see if they want to support us for a couple bucks a month. A couple shillings is all we're asking for. Yeah, that hardcore structure that you've seen on the regular big show is gone. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's right. Um, you know, we're, we're very strict here. We we stick to, you know, short timelines. We never have a show that goes over forty five minutes. That, that's how we roll. So, Will, how how are things going for you? Uh, how are your rookie drafts uh, moving along? I, you know, Will, I know this is. I hate to say this, but something that I've I've thought about this week is I feel like I'm almost on, not in enough leagues, which is ridiculous because I'm in way too many leagues, but. I, I listen to other podcasts and in, in my, my, my chats and like, uh, you know, I've got seven rookie drafts going on and I don't have that many going on right now. It seems like my leagues are pretty spread out. So I've, I've done some, I've done some rookie drafts some rookie auctions, but I still have several to look forward to, which is nice, but I'm a little jealous of people that have done 12 of these things and um, have, have been able to acquire some of these juicy rookies. So yeah. what about you? So Ryan, first of all, classic FOMO. Uh, it's typically a responsible league commissioner when it comes to times like these won't move draft dates and things like that. Uh, or the, uh, typically the responsible fantasy, uh, dynasty league team owner won't join a couple new leagues. And I've joined two new leagues since this, since the start of kind of this pandemic. Wow. Yeah. That you're, uh, you're kind of Mr. Like, I'm not going to join new leagues. You're, very, you're really good about that. So, uh, but I also, I chose, they're both, they're both lo- like low, low money leagues, you know, uh, less investment guys that uh, I've at least known in the past. And also another caveat is they're both two tight ends. Uh, one of the mistakes was joining one of those with Trey Barrett, uh, our, let's we'll just call him our, our prodigal son, Joe. Uh, he... <laughs> He moved back like a champ, like his spreadsheet for that league. Like I was ill-prepared compared to the way he went into that, that draft because there's 2021 picks involved, you know, rookies and everything. And uh, it's been fun to kind of watch how it's all worked out. I mean, I'm fine. I'm just not as excited as I want to be, but I'm not also worried uh, because it's been such a fun draft process and going through it. And we're in like the 23rd round and I'm still taking like two hours to make my pick because I don't have a pre-drafted and things like that. Uh, regular rookie drafts, I've had, I've had three. Because one started pretty quickly after, and that's when I drafted the 101 in one of those startups when I was totally expecting to pick, pick Jonathan Taylor and pivoted to Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. And then I was basically out until the, until the later rounds, uh, which don't really matter. I tried to move back in to get A.J. Dillon, which, uh, again, another shout-out to Trey. I think he might be the only Joe 
or maybe one of the only people out there that's higher in AJ Dillon than I am with where he's been taking him, which shout out to you, Trey. Congratulations. Good, good evaluation. Good process. And I also like that he's taking him because that means that it's not one of my bad takes and it's going to work out well. Uh, <laughs> hey, I've got a question for you because I think in, uh, I like AJ Dillon a lot as well, but I don't know that I can take him over, say like a Justin Jefferson, like where is the kind of the cutoff line for you? Let's say in a super flex league, you know, late first round, early second round, where, where do you think AJ Dillon is like, where's the highest you want to want to take him? Cause I, cause I like AJ Dillon a lot and I think he's, he's being slept on a, uh, with a lot of people you know, I mean, we forget that he's this athletic freak. He's got the draft capital attached to him. Um, I, I think they, they're going to use him in Green Bay. Um, you know, we've, people, our listeners know all this stuff. Aaron Jones, last year of his deal, blah, blah, blah. But at the end of the day, if a guy like Justin Jefferson sitting there with that first-round draft capital, really hard for me to pass him up. Yeah, it's one of the things I've kind of changed from the beginning. When we did that first rookie draft after the second night of the NFL draft, uh, one, I got dogged on heavily for taking AJ Dillon so early. And I don't disagree with taking him that early. I think if you want him, take him there. I don't, I don't think the downside versus these wide receivers, and you don't know how they're going to integrate into these offenses, especially in year one, the situation we're in is, is a bad thing. But I think I'm, I've, I've just moved him back behind a couple wide receivers. Justin Jefferson is, is tough for me because I don't, I don't see his immediate integration into that offense. I don't see where he fits. Uh, I, I struggle with seeing the, the highest upside for him comparatively. So I think if on the clock, those are my two choices and I can only choose one. And this is like the, you know, the gavel is going to be banged after this. I'm going to AJ Dillon over Justin Jefferson. And I know that's, that's probably not, you know, not like standard, like a status quo, but I still like him in that range. I mean, he's a late second round running back going to a prolific offense. They did lose Brian Balaga. Uh, God bless the Hawkeyes. He went to he went to the Chargers, and so I don't know how that offensive line is going to gel and how it's going to change. But I do think that AJ Dillon is is agile enough, and he came from a, a terrible enough offense to where his NFL production could be amazing. Yeah, and I think that's fine. Uh, so you're saying then let, let's just say one QB league, take the QBs out of it because it simplifies the the discussion a little bit. So you got your. Um, and whatever order you want to put them, you got your your you know your big five running backs. You got uh, C.D. Lamb. You got Jerry Judy. I think Jalen Rager. I think people are kind of treating him as is like the the you know at least the 108 in, in a one QB league. Most people anyway. Um, so then is that where you take him? Then the the 109. Yeah, and I tried. I tried. Just I tried so hard to trade up uh, in this league that I'm in. That's full PPR, one quarterback, and it's a decent money league. Uh, as far as like, it's like a hundred and like, I think it's a hundred dollars a year. Uh, and it, I look at this draft board, Ryan, I pulled it up as we were talking like Justin Jefferson with the one ten. So we went uh, Edwards, Hilaire, Jonathan Taylor, J.K. Dobbins, Jandre Swift, uh, C.D. Lamb, Cam Akers, Jerry Judy, uh, Higgins, Rager, then Jefferson at the 10, Ruggs at 11, and then Michael Pittman at 12, Keyshawn Vaughn went at, at the 13th, which I, th- I think is becoming more uh, rare as we learn more about the rookies and we get more and more uh, analysis and, and rankings online, I think Vaughn's moving up uh, significantly higher than that. Uh, Mim, Chenault, Burrow. Uh, I can't believe Burrow went before, before Dylan. But at this point in time in this draft, I, I was just sending out trade offers like crazy. I don't have a lot of capital in it. I'm a pretty competitive team, but I was just trying, just trying to get up there. 
and couldn't. And so A.J. Dillon slipped to the 209, so the 21st pick in a full PPR uh, dynasty one quarterback league, which is, which is shocking to me that he fell that far. And I, I now I, looking back at this, and even with my efforts, I feel like I didn't try hard enough. Well, sometimes you can, you, you know, you, you can only go so far and it depends on your league and how active people are. And, and I, I do think this year in, in particular, it, it is hard to, to, to like harder than usual, I think, to, to, to move up too much in these rookie drafts, because I think even those most casual of dynasty owners that you're in leagues with, they know that how great this class we, we think is going to be and, and the talent that's there. So, so it's hard. It's, it's hard. And, and um, I, I have a qu- in that draft, I'm, I'm curious because I want to segue a little bit into our discussion on guys that we've kind of changed our tune on. Um, that's one of the things we talked about on Voxer before, you know, the, this show, because one of the guys I've really started taking a liking to it or I, I, with, with the, within reason is Antonio Gibson because, and he's starting to get some hype now. He's starting to get some buzz. Um, because if you, if you look at his college production overall, like big picture, he was not this prolific producer, but if you dig into it, he's this incredible athlete. He's, you know, I, you know, he got comparisons to, uh, um, I mean, he's not physically like Christian McCaffrey, but in terms of like a guy that has amazing pass catching ability, he's a lot bigger than Christian McCaffrey, uh, a guy that could be interesting in that Washington offense, an offense that needs some playmakers, um, yeah, what was it? It was like average yards per – he didn't have too many carries, but his yards per carry was ridiculous. And His yards anyway, per carry was 11.2 yeah, in college, well, which is 99th percentile. So it is pretty ridiculous. Yeah, but he didn't carry the ball that much. And, yeah. Uh, um, so, so anyway, you know, a, a guy that, you know, maybe – and I think like he didn't have the grades to go to a good college, so he was like a Juco transfer. Um, anyway, long story short, I'm intrigued by him. I don't want to reach too high for him, but he's a guy that I kind of want to get on my rosters just to kind of see what happens. Um, Cause I, I don't, that, that backfield in Washington is just kind of kind of murky. You know, we, we guys is interesting, but the injury history and we, we, we love AP, but I mean, AP is, is pretty long on the tooth. Um, they got some other interesting guys like Bryce Love, um, JD McKissick, yada, yada, yada. A lot of guys. In that well, and they send the, what's his name from the, from Tampa over there too. Oh yeah. Yeah. Peyton Barber. I mean, they, they paid a couple, like, or at least signed a couple million dollar contracts. I think they're guaranteed is pretty low. And that that Redskins running back, like like group, is just it's a headache. It's such a headache. And you, if you want to choose to be a part of it, uh, it's it's good to be passionate about it, Ryan. So I, I like the you know you need to have you need to be confident that something's going to happen with them. Yeah, and I I just think if if you can get him from the right price, I mean there are a lot of guys I want over him. But I've also seen him go pretty late in, um, in some rookie drafts. So he he's a guy that really I just was kind of dismissing um, because I I only was looking at the, like his college production and I didn't dig into it enough. And I was like, this guy didn't do anything in college. Why are we so excited about him? He's a guy that's switching positions in the NFL. But now that he they've come out and said he's a running back, we know he's this athletic freak. I, I I'm intrigued by Antonio Gibson. So my question, Will, is. Who are some guys that you've you've changed your tune on um, since the the draft? You you've you've had some time to to dig in and and with the caveat that we always say that it's good to do your homework before the NFL draft. And yes, an NFL draft should influence how you feel about guys. You want to look at draft capital, that type of thing. But um, 
that said, I mean, you can't, you can't necessarily look into everybody. There, there are so many guys and then guys that all of a sudden have this third round draft capital attached to them. You didn't think would go that early. You got to look into them. So yeah, especially, especially like the three Oh two, uh, with where the, where the, where the Redskins took them or the, the Washington football team. Uh, I, I'm not that intrigued about, I just want to like speak quickly on Antonio Gibson. His hype train has risen pretty far. And I, I bet that Antonio Gibson is cheaper to acquire eight months, uh, 12 months from now than he is right now. Uh, based on, uh, just coming out of college, coming out of Memphis, they've been a, a running back like production factory when it comes to analytics like uh, like good analytic areas moving into the NFL, but they haven't been a great like NFL factory yet. And I do think Antonio Gibson has a lot of upside, but he will be cheaper than what he is right now in rookie drafts, and he will be next year. And it's going to take time with the, with everything that's going on right now. No OTAs, no meetings, no everything like that. Like now's the time to just kind of like I think sit pat, uh, unless you're getting him at a value in like the like the the later second third round, and you just don't you don't have a lot of uh, investment in that pick. And I, I want, I'm wanting to wait on him, Ryan. I, I feel like his, he's, he's going too far. I think that's fair. And, and you do have to be careful because, you know, I think if you're taking him like mid second of a super flex league, I think that's, that's way too rich for me, but I think in some leagues he, he may fall. It, it just depends. He's one of those guys that probably will be pretty variable. Um, so what about you, Will? What, who, who are some of your guys where you're like, I, I didn't see it before, but now that I've looked into this guy, I'm totally intrigued. Yeah, and this, this comes from our, our first round drafter party, even the, the, the second night, too, when we did the, the rookie draft. So Brandon Ayuk has been just an interesting player uh, for me because I've, I think I've always had in my mind just like a negative connotation that he was there, he's a Juco transfer. You talk uh, a lot of trash about Brandon Ayuk, Will. Yeah, I mean, I was always like, why are you taking Brandon Ayuk? It's just ridiculous. And I, I, I'm trying to figure out where I'm placing him in my overall picks. But one thing that really opened my eyes to something about Brandon Ayuk, and this was from fantasypoints.com, which is free to sign up for, by the way. And they're not, you know, they're, they're not like a sponsor of ours, but they're a great website. And what they did is they went and broke down. But, but if they want to sponsor us, we, we, we won't necessarily turn them down. So, so fantasy points, let, let's, let's talk. Well, yeah, it's, it's free to sign up, so it's a free sponsor right now. We'll, 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 trade, that, we'll trade that off until they put up a paywall. Uh, but those guys are awesome. I believe Scott Barrett's part of it. I think that was where I heard from initially. Uh, their whole team is just they're, – they're passionate writers, and they're, they're very analytical along with film-based on what they do. Like, I, and, I just, and IDP content on their website. Thank you very much. Well done, Fantasy Points. Love it. <laughs> they're, they're thinking about getting rid of that because it's the least clicked-on portion of their website. It's actually less than the pop-up ads. Uh, I kid, they don't have those. <laughs> That's good. But uh, so the the whole like narrative. So let's go down. Let's go down narrative road, right? Because we we like these kind of things, right? Like let's let's get some passion to our picks and what we're doing. So the whole narrative. I didn't know this. Uh, the Niners were telling Ayuk they were planning to take him at thirteen. Like they were like, "You're a pick at 13. Uh, on, on the phone. That yeah, I, I'll, I'm actually gonna push that off. They were going to take him at 13. You know, the Bucks traded up to grab uh, potentially the best offensive lineman in the entire world in, in Wirfs from the University of Iowa. Uh, and so fortunately to Kinlaw because that fits both uh, a draft grade need and a team need. That's kind of like a, a good mix of what they had. They couldn't really pass up Kinlaw because his upside is all pro. Uh, his downside is a washout. Uh, but they, they felt like they needed to take him. And it again – 
So that moved him back in the draft. And then they traded up with the Vikings, of all people, from their draft pick because they're worried about Ayuk being taken. Uh, Shanahan said he viewed Ayuk as a scheme transcendent every down receiver who can play all three wide receiver positions. And then another quote from that interview, uh, on the phone with Ayuk, the team, and like, like Shanahan and John Lynch, uh, we were hoping you were going to be there. We were scared we were going to lose you. We were hoping to get you at 13. The Dean Landerman that we needed was there. And then, still need to be able to come up and get you where we got you, you were our guy. They had him graded at the same level as CeeDee Lamb. They moved up to take him. I know it was only a fourth and fifth round pick, kind of kind of swap. Uh, they, didn't, they didn't pay a ton of draft capital. But that wide receiver room is open. They're in love with his ability. And in a Shanahan offense, and I still think he's a great offensive mind that we are uh, kind of dismissing in fantasy because it's always a mishmash, that Ayuk has a chance to boom earlier based on how he – like he'll understand – how well Ayuk understands the playbook, where he fits in the offense, how, uh, how Garoppolo can use him. And he might have a, a, his opportunity to be more valuable after year one. These other wide receivers might be more valuable after like two, three years uh, is higher. That's where I come from. Yeah, I, I like, I like that, that narrative road that you, you've taken us down. And, uh, you know, it's a team that has a track record of drafting guys like uh, – Dante Pettis, right in the second round. You, 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 you know, you gotta like that track record of, of drafting wide receivers. So I, I like it. Oh uh, yeah. No, I'm just kidding. Um, no, People... I, I, I do think that Brandon Ayuk is a great fit for what the 49ers want to do, and I do think he's a tremendous value in rookie drafts. I, I, I do think that maybe people are starting to get a little savvier about, um, about taking him higher. Um, but I, I mean, he's essentially the, the last first round wide receiver that, that I've seen taken in the vast majority of, of rookie drafts that I've seen. Yeah. I, I do think he's a tremendous value and people are, are sleeping on him quite a bit, quite a bit um, for, for all kinds of reasons. But, but I, I think you make a complaint argument for Brandon Ayuk. Yeah. That's a good thing about him. Will is that, that like where you have to go to get him? It's, it's not like you're necessarily spending a first round pick on him. Yeah. And, and I wasn't, I was completely basically off of Ayuk earlier but now it's if, if I can pinpoint a place where he is still on the board and, you know, let's say people are taking, you know, third round running backs above him, uh, uh, you know, other, other positional, positional players that I don't agree with, I'm going to try to aggressively move back up into that spot just because, I mean, even if he does end up not, you know, not fitting or doesn't get it, you know, again, with rookies, we don't know how they're going to adapt to the NFL. It's really hard to understand the mind of rookies and how they're going to perform. And I think the Dante Pettis thing is, is a great truth to that. Like he was a uh, scouted, you know, top wide receiver, but then he just didn't integrate well in the NFL. Uh, he didn't integrate in the system, the people, everything like that. It, it is risk, but he's a, enough of a value where you're not taking a big enough risk for it to matter to me. Yeah. Also, Ryan, Ryan, nine and three quarter inch hands, almost 10 inch hands. You got to love that guy. I, I do. I, I love big mitts, as, as we know. I, I like big mitts, and I cannot lie. Can I give a couple other fun – or just one other fun hand stat? <laughs> of course you can. This is the handstand state segment on the, the Fantasy Joes. Patreon Joes, uh, yeah. Yeah, the Patreon Joes. So, KJ Handler, he stands at five foot eight and five eighths, of course, because we got to add that in. Uh, and, and he has nine and three eighths inch hands so you know like relatively big hands i'd like to see it over nine and a half you know if we really want to get like into the big hands category but what i thought was interesting right about looking at this 
is uh just just proportionately how like people stack up and like how how big like how big hands must look on people uh KJ Handler's hands are slightly bigger than the six foot three and five eight T Higgins, who has wow. nine inch hands. I mean, wow. three eight inch. I don't know if you could tell that really by the, you know the, by the blind eye, but a person who is significantly shorter and smaller uh, has bigger hands than the top wide receiver at Clemson last year. Huh, that's interesting. I, I didn't realize that um, uh, T Higgins has has the the. the hand size that he does the small the kind of relatively small hands compared to other wide receivers that's interesting like nine and a quarter i mean we're, we're splitting hairs there but when you talk about like hand size when you see somebody who's you know what like five inches shorter than the other person but then has slightly bigger hands that's an odd comparison uh but then will fuller walks into the room and everybody looks impressed <laughs> so will a guy that i think people are sleeping on that you know i've talked about a little bit is Van Jefferson, second round pick, went to the Los Angeles Rams. And, you know, what, what do we like about Van Jefferson? Well, we've heard what a great route runner he is. Um, he, he's he's a, you know, a technician. His dad, you know, uh, NFL wide receiver, wide receivers coach. People know that about him. One of the knocks on Van Jefferson, he, he didn't have, like, a lot of big plays in college. So his top speed has been criticized. But, Will, did you know that at the Senior Bowl in practices – he produced a top speed of 21.05 miles per hour, which was the fastest of any player. So I think Van Jefferson is a guy that you can probably get in the third round of your rookie drafts. And I, I think it's a great value. I mean, he's a second round wide receiver. I, I, I like, you know, that, that the Sean McVay will, will know how to use him. And I just think he's super interesting and, and no one at all is hyping up Van Jefferson. And I, I don't really get it. Uh, um, I, I, you know, I, I, cause he's got the draft capital. Um, I, 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 I don't know. I, I, so I am intrigued by Van Jefferson. What, what about you? Or is, is he an afterthought to you or are you, is he someone in the third round you might think about? Yeah. And, and I think that is he, I feel like he's going like late third round and I've seen him on boards. It's between him and like a, a you know, a much later, like running back, like DJ Dallas or something like that. And I, I can see now where it's the mistake to go with a running back based on the draft capital and the traits that Van Jefferson has. I just have a hard time buying into it uh, because we've seen kind of a, uh, a shift in that Rams offense. So recency bias is tough because they, they weren't as productive as, the, as, as they have been. Uh, they haven't been as, they didn't look as creative. They looked, you know, confused at points in time. And I do think that, I think McVay can turn that around and we can see it. And this could be a very big value. And so I, I, I agree with it. I just, I just struggle a little bit with like, he didn't, you know, he didn't really do much in college. Uh, he had a decent combine, but I, I want to get more excited, but doesn't, I just feel like he plays the same role as like Cooper cup. And then you have woods on the outside. And if they're running two tight ends, where does he fit in? Right. And, and I know, I mean, that's the argument against him. It's like, it's a, it's a weird landing spot. It's, it's not a good landing spot because there's no real clear path for him to get a lot of playing time. I just think that, you know, when you're looking at guys where he's going in the draft and, and, and you look at all your options, uh, he has some things that stand out among the, among that group of guys he's with. Uh, so I just think pure, purely from a value point of view, I, I think he's a good value, a guy to look at in the third round. That's, that's all I, I, I you know, I, uh, do I think I want to reach for him in the second round? No way. In my rookie drafts, but um, 
I, I think he's interesting. And I, and I think that, you know, he has a little bit of upside because he can, he can play all three. Um, you, you know, you can play anywhere. He's best out of the slot, but he can play anywhere. According to the scouting reports, he's uh, get off press coverage, according to the scouting reports. Um, I just think he's, he's interesting. You're right. He, the, the landing spot is strange and he doesn't have the college production, but he, he's a skilled player and, and I'm intrigued. I'm going to follow him and, and probably snatch him up in some drafts and, put him on my taxi squads and just see what happens. Uh, in the, the deal off ADP, he's going 29th as a rookie. So it's not, it's not a big, you're, you're moving up. If you want to get him in a 12 team league, you're that's uh, mid, mid third round. So we're not, we're not talking about massive rookie draft capital going into him. And I, but I think you're gonna have to wait, Ryan. That's, I, I don't think we're going to see, I mean, again, this, this year could all just be canceled too, but like, I, I think in a regular year, <laughs> Uh, in year one, I don't know if we'd, we'd see him move, uh, and then you might be able to acquire him for you know for a, a, a you know like a, a later third round, fourth round rookie pick next year, but then expect production. Yeah, and that's that's absolutely true. And I think one of the things that I, I do look at when you know for those third, fourth, fifth round picks is that I, I probably want to take a flyer on a running back. You know, even someone like you know Benjamin that is. Um, you know, seventh round pick just because those guys can really climb in value, right? Let, let's say like, like, you know, Benjamin, not, not someone I particularly like, but just use him as an example. Um, you know, let's say he beats out Chase Edmonds for that job, or let's say Kenny Drake goes down and Chase Edmonds goes down. We see it all the time, right? Two running backs go down for the same team. All of a sudden he's the guy in a high powered offense. Uh, his values would just, would just skyrocket, right? So uh, especially with Kenyon Drake just there. No, I mean, not, not necessarily there beyond this year. So yeah, guys like that are probably better bets to take later in your rookie drafts, just because um, a guy like Van Jefferson odds are, you know, maybe in 2021 or 2022, he does something, but in 2020, you're right. He's probably not doing anything. Yeah. And I think I'd gamble on Van Jefferson over, you know, Benjamin after draft capital of faction. There's, there's gotta be something, something more wrong with, you know, yeah, no, I mean, I did, you know, not, not maybe the best example, but, you know, Anthony McFarland, uh, Joshua Kelly, guys, we talked about in the last show, those, those guys have, you know, decent draft capital attached to them and they're in pretty intriguing situations. So if you've got those guys on the board in Van Jefferson, you probably want to go for Anthony McFarland or yeah. Kelly or, or somebody like that. Speaking of unprotected Florida wide receivers, Ryan, <laughs> which is basically all their wide receivers. Uh, so Trey, come defend Florida on the podcast anytime you want. But they're not, they're not a great offense uh, no. at all in the past few years. A good team. A good team. Let's not steer them wrong. But So, Freddie Swain from that team as well has intrigued me, Ryan. Uh, he went later. I think it was the sixth-round draft pick to the Seahawks. Uh, he's one guy. I'm not, I, I put him in here because I want to just note him that his flashes in college have been incredible. Like what, he, like what he's done, like big plays. When he, when he finally, like, his ball tracking, tip balls, his highlight reel is incredible. I, I'm sure there's a, there's a whole ton of, of, like, mishmash in between there. He's never been productive, overly productive. He's never commanded enough of the offense. But he was a four-star prospect coming out of high school. He's six foot one, ran a four-six yeah, four, four, uh, at the combine. And he's had just these flashes of – in my mind, he's flashed elite talent at certain things, like – like ball tracking, uh, being able to sit in a zone. Uh, and I think that the, his landing spot is just very interesting. So at the very, very end of drafts or an undrafted uh, you know, free agent in your dynasty leagues where you have a taxi squad, 
he was, you know, he's a four, he played four years at Florida, which is kind of a red flag anyway, but like a long shot, long shot. The other, I think the actual alpha, I don't know, in watching it, I feel like it was Freddie Swain on that Florida team. And I'm just super interested in trying to scoop him up. Uh, Tyler Lockett, you know, on the, on the, on the Seahawks, he has had kind of a, a riddled injury history career. But then when I went and actually looked at this, Ryan, do you know how many games Tyler Lockett in the regular season that he's missed because of injury? You're on mute. Sorry, how many games has Tyler Lockett missed is all I said. I, I yeah, said during the regular a, season quite a, injury. Quite a few. I'm going to guess 20 games. All right, so I looked this up on player profile. Mm-hmm. Uh, he has missed zero games because of injury. Tyler Lockett, really? Yeah, because he broke his leg uh, in that last game of the season. And then I think he might have missed his freshman year, but like actual starts versus games played. Uh, Tyler Lockett has been like active for every game he's been a part of in the regular season. It sounds like you're playing with numbers, though, because he hasn't – ever since he's been in the NFL, he, he has missed some games due to injury. I, I, don't, I don't get that. No, he, he, missed, he missed postseason or was suited up and wasn't involved. But <laughs> so in other words, he was probably he, he toughed it out and was suited up. But since he was injured, he wasn't productive. But yeah, but so but actual games missed. This is what I think is interesting, because I feel like we've all thought that he's missed just big blocks at times. Yeah, obviously, I, did. I thought he missed like huge games every year. That's interesting. Yeah, like his whole his whole injury injury history is just is just super interesting, because since he was drafted in 2005, uh, going into that year. He actually has missed zero regular season games on the like injury list. Huh. So, because I thought I was like, this guy's a, a storied injury history. Uh, you know, he he's got to be a risk. You know, his contract can't be that great. They got to be able to get out of that. I was trying to find some positive points about Freddie Swain, by the way, which is where this came from. But uh, <laughs> Tyler Lockett's injury history is, I think, is is much 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 overrated. I mean, he he had a multiple leg fracture. Uh, which took him out, but that was only during the off season. He missed the postseason, which I think is that that kind of uh, that that memory in your mind that you you think of more be, because it happened at such an important moment. So anyway, uh, Tyler Lockett, and I, I don't think the Seahawks going to do this, but uh, with his contract, he could be a potential like cap casualty in like twenty twenty one if they're going to like go with their like uh, let's not support Russell Wilson with any sort of great wide receivers. Uh, he, he could move into a role that could be productive there. Again, super long reach. Uh, his just flashes of greatness, I think, are worth putting on the end of your taxi squad if you have a spot in, in, in a place where he won't get drafted in your rookie drafts. Yeah, that, that's, that's interesting. And I love that name because no one is, is talking about him. Nobody. Um, so, so it's good. So one, one guy that people are, are kind of talking about a little bit I've heard is, and I want to ask you about this since, since, you know, we're big 10 guys, you watch some big 10 football. Yeah. Also, uh, right. I, che- I checked Tyler Lockett's with pro football reference and he's 16 to 16 or like he's played 16 games every year that he's there. I, I looked his career numbers up and there was one season. He only played 15 games by the way, but I wasn't going to say anything. Cause F-A-H-Q. I was like, that can't be right. Q. But, but Hey, um, Quintus Cephas went to the Detroit Lions fifth round pick. I, I just quickly, not necessarily a guy I'm really in, in, intrigued over because he's slow and um, he, he has this. Um, he's he got dinky hands, Ryan. He's got dinky hands. You can't like him. 
Oh, he's Dickie. I didn't realize he had Dickie Hans. Also, he has off the field issues. So, but he's he's a guy that's getting some buzz. I just wanted to ask you what you thought of him. If you if you are you going to spend any flyers on on Cephas? No, I actually think it's been surprised to hear Cephas's name pop up uh, in a lot of like like late round flyers. I don't see how he fits in the NFL. He was a good college player, and honestly, like a pretty good college player, like uh, on Wisconsin. He was a, a decently dominant uh, wide receiver on that team, but there's there's nothing that stands out about him that I think is going to make it. I'm out. Okay. Um, Brian, he has eight and three quarter inch hands. Wow, I didn't realize his hands were that tiny. The only person he scales in hand size is Will Fuller. <laughs> All right. Well, who are some other guys then? We want to. Are there any running backs that you think are interesting, like late run flyers? Well, uh, we talked about a, a little bit last time. Uh, which I didn't really think think about while writing this up because I still I still am rising on Joshua Kelly. I think that he, so he's thirty third in superflex and thirty uh, in kind of your your one quarterback uh, rookie drafts according to DLF ADP and I think I still think that's too low. There's such an opportunity there in on uh, the Chargers offense. You know they added Brian Balaga. They've they're they're changing their offense to I think be more like less of a, a Philip Rivers risk offense and more of a running offense. And Austin Eckler has downside here. He's he's not he's not a between the tackles grinder. He, he he's not going to fit that role. And Joshua Kelly came from a junior college, went to UCLA, had two good years of production. Uh, and I, I just think his his potential to rise from his rookie year to sophomore year is it, massive. So I think him being that low in the third round is just it's kind of wild to me. I, I, would, I would happily take him at the end of the second. Uh, and move him above, you know, maybe even some of the, the later second round wide receivers that it doesn't, yeah, like him versus Van Jefferson would be a, t- a tough choice for me. So I'd like him to be a little bit bigger. I'd like him to be a little bit faster. Uh, he had a good, like, agility drill uh, for the most part, but that was also during the time when, like, after basically he went, all the other running backs copped out of the, you know, the three cone and, and, and the, the 40 yard shuttle. So we don't really have like great numbers because something was wrong that night. And so I just think that Joshua Kelly could be more athletic than what that agility testing says. And it has just a, enough upside. It was taken early enough in the fourth round that I want him. Yeah. I, I think it's, it's, we don't obviously we would be careful about like looking at landing spots and he's probably not a guy that long-term is going to be, you know, too much of anything in my opinion, but I think in Los Angeles, in that role, I do think he's a good bet, uh, you know, fourth-round draft capital. Really, well, I'm looking at all the running backs taken in the fourth round. You've got Joshua Kelly, LaMichael Pirine, Anthony McFarland, and then DJ Dallas going to um, Seattle, um, you know, played at the U. I think all those guys have some intrigue, and, and all guys that are probably worth um, spending, you know, some late rookie uh, draft capital, late-round rookie draft capital on. Because I don't, I don't think – you know, maybe probably Kelly and McFarland are the most expensive of, the, of these players. Maybe you're looking at like late yeah. second, early third, but I, I think P Ryan, you can get later. I think DJ Dallas, you certainly can get later. Um, and, and I think, I think for those guys, it's kind of just like you look at the depth charts and opportunity. Cause once again, you know, Le'Veon Bell goes down well, Michael P Ryan does something in that offense. And all of a sudden you've got a guy you could at least, you know, ship away for maybe a second round pick. So yeah. Or, or somebody else's running back goes down and the jets move bell to them. You know, there's that that whole Jets offense, right? And we t- we talked about this uh, during the rookie draft of when we were deciding about Denzel Mims and staying away from Dow Loggins. Yeah, 
I mean, John Loggins is going to do the bare minimum from creativity on the offensive coordinator side. And he's been, he's just been a blight, a blight on fantasy points for years. And we need to understand that they're not going to have a big turnaround of an offense. His track record is too poor. Yeah. And one of the things that, you know, we kind of touched on this and I was listening to, um, on the couch, uh, Sigma Bloom had on Scott Barrett, and, and they talked about you know fantasy points that with the new website that we mentioned. And one of the the points that that they made, you know, you, you when we're drafting these guys, we want to look at the current regimes in those spots and and how long we think they're going to be there. And they were making the argument that um, things are probably going to change in New York for the Jets. So. Um, you know, if you, if you go after a guy like Mims also, I think I read a tweet that they, they're going to have a lot of money to spend in 2021. So if they don't draft another wide receiver, maybe they're going to go out and get some of those big, big name free agent wide receivers. So that's one of the things, well, I'm looking at more and more. Um, what do I think about the team? What do I think about the management of the team, the, the, the GMs, the coaches, how long are they going to be there? Cause I think that does come into play a lot of the time. So if, if, you know, if I'm looking at tiebreakers, that's one of the th- things I'm going to look at. Um, do I trust this team? Do I trust this GM? Do they have a good track record? Are they going to be there? Cause, cause if the GM's not there in two years that, you know, that wide receiver running back, they drafted highly doesn't matter so much. Right. Uh, you know, if, they, if that's not their guy, but well, go get somebody else. We see it all the time. Things change so quickly. I just look back a couple of years to that, you know, the draft. And I know we talked about this before. Was it 2018 with um, Saquon Barkley's class and Chubb and all those running backs we were excited about. And, the rest of those guys are just, you know, kind of dropped off a cliff in terms of value. So, yeah, I want to I want to be careful about the players I draft, what teams are associated with, honestly, in the in the, in the management there. Yeah, and it's really difficult with the Jets because you can't trust that they're going to sign a next good. I mean, they hired Adam Gase and and Dow Dow Loggins. I mean, like, like was the improvement expected? I just 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 floored by by whatever is happening there. So it's just a risk, but if they end up hiring, like if they have a change in mindset or they are told by some sort of management company that they need to change what they're doing because otherwise they're going to just be bad, uh, it, it could change drastically. And you can bet on that side a little bit, I think. So, but that also comes from these, these, these draft picks. They might hold on to them because they're cheap contracts. Like, like the Michael P. Ryan, Denzel Mims, they might become massive values to the team. Uh, and then they'll use them to their maximal poten- maximal maximum potential. So, Will, quickly, on the flip side of that, are there guys that you were high on um, going into the draft or, or after the draft even that you're starting to fade? So, so Mims is one of those for, for me because I was pretty high on him. I think, uh, you know, Mims was probably in a super flex league. I was looking at taking him, like, early second-round pick. I was like, okay, I, I, I want to get Mims. But I'm starting to – to fade away from, from those thoughts. Um, and just the fact that he's this Baylor wide receiver, I just have these visions of, of Kevin white, which isn't fair, but <laughs> as a outside uh-huh. embarrassed fan, I just, I don't know. Kevin, I just, Kevin I, white went to, went, went to West Virginia. Oh, that's right. It, it, well, it doesn't matter. Big 12 school, big 12 schools that they don't play the high powered offenses. Don't play defenses. They're the same to me. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Good people of, uh, uh, that support in Texas and West Virginia that support the schools. I'm sorry. Why do you put the name Kevin White out there? That's just like all shutters. I know. I kid, I kid uh, with that. Cause it's, but it, uh, I, I haven't been high on Mims this whole time. 
And no, I know you haven't, but, that, but what, what I'm saying is who are some guys that you were high on and now you're starting to fade on the more you look into it. Uh, so one of the, one of the players is, is Michael Pittman. Uh, I wasn't very high on him coming in though, but then when, where he went in the draft, like the Colts said that they're going to take Michael Pittman ahead of Jonathan Taylor, which I think is a significant statement from that team. Yeah, yeah. We, would, we just went down narrative road with Brandon Ayuk, and now you don't want to go down that road with Pittman, huh? Yeah, I just, I just don't like it. I think that they fell in love with, it, with his play like later on in his career in college uh, as he got older, when he came in as a high recruit. But he, he didn't adapt well over time. And I, I honestly don't trust the Colts drafting that well. Uh, uh, my, my trust in the Colts drafting has gone down significantly. Like, why are we still trusting this team to draft well for fantasy points? Like, explain to me why that, like, why I should believe in this. Uh, and then Michael Pittman fits into a role, and that 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 kind of like later breakout, and then him adapting to the NFL and the time it's going to take. I just don't really like how long. Like, maybe three years from now, Pittman will be a great NFL wide receiver. But where you have to take him now versus somebody else, you'll be able to trade for Pittman a year from now to get him plus something. And I think that's the win. I think he's a wait and see player, so that's why he's falling for me. I don't want to. I want to take a. I want to take a you know get rich quick quick scheme player versus Pittman. You, you might miss on this though, Will, because I mean you know going down I've, narrative road. I, I've never missed. <laughs> but they they like Pittman. I, I think that he's a, a good fit for what they want to do. I think Philip Rivers is going to like him. So, uh, you know, there, he could be, uh, of these rookie wide receivers, he could be the top performing rookie wide receiver. He gets for the most fantasy points of all rookie wide receivers. That There's a world where that happens. Is it, I mean, um, are they good at drafting wide receivers? Like, I, I, get, I get where they took him. It just doesn't – I don't like it. Well, I think they are good at drafting in general. So – um, I, I don't necessarily think that, I mean, I guess there's that, you know, Pittsburgh Steelers example that everyone always uses. It's like, well, the Steelers, they're, they're great at drafting wide receivers in the second and third round. So you, you want to target those guys. So Chase Claypool, let's go get them. Um, but I, you know, I, I think that, I think all teams have their hits and their misses. And, and yes, I think you can kind of look at tendencies. Like I think, for example, uh, if I want to pick on the Bears for a second, because uh, it's easy to do. Um, I think the Bears are really bad at drafting early in drafts, but I, I think that Ryan Pace is good at identifying guys later in drafts, and, and he's had a lot of success with that, but the, his early picks have been very poor. Um, so I know there are some tendencies, but the Colts, they, you know, they drop like Darius Leonard, who's like the number one, you know, IDP linebacker, for example. Didn't they take him in the second round? They, I think um, a couple of years ago when they took the um, – the, the offensive lineman under Notre Dame, that was a great pick. I can't think of his name off the top of my head. So I think they're, I, I think they're a well-run organization, and I think they draft well. So um, I don't know. I, I, I don't love Pittman. I, I, I'm not going to get him very much because people are definitely higher on him than I am, but I, I'm certainly higher than you are, I think. Um, so Yeah, and I think they've, they've hit on some draft picks, uh, and they've missed, I mean, I mean two. But the, the later on draft picks, I'd be interested to see how the – uh, organization goes about making those picks as well. Like, are it like who's involved in in the you know the high profile show me picks and things like that? Uh, I do agree that taking because it was the it was a it was a guard, and for the life of me, can't remember his name either. Ryan, but he ended up being just a road grader, instant integration to the NFL, and was a benefit to that team. Uh, but the re- the rest of it's kind of been a wash. Like like Paris Campbell. I mean, I know he got, I know he got hurt, but he wasn't very well integrated into that. 
and they're really stoked to get Paris Campbell in the second round. And we see he comes from. But the the whole team is changing with Philip Rivers at quarterback and what they're gonna do. But I I think banking on that integration with a, a rookie wide receiver who didn't really do like he did a I mean he did a lot in his junior year and then his senior year, but it I just don't I just don't like it. I wonder if we would view Paris Campbell differently if Andrew Luck hadn't retired. I mean, because that's totally – man, that's one of the worst things that's ever happened to a, a, a franchise in the last couple of years is that – and we forget, we're not even a year away from, from that where Andrew Luck just shocked the world um, by announcing his retirement, you know, and, and, and I, I don't know. So I, th- I think the, the Colts have done a good job navigating this, and um, I'm, I'm happy they got Phillip Rivers. I hope he has some, something left in the tank. Not only because I, I seem to own way too many shares of him in Superflex leagues, <laughs> but but also I just I, you know I, I hope they make a run, um, at least make it to the playoffs. Um, I, I kind of have a soft spot in my heart for the Colts. I don't know why. I, also, I they I, signed the uber productive tight end Trey Burton. Yeah, that's right. Trey. He's gonna. I think he's gonna succeed in that offense, though, Ryan. It's gonna put the Bears to shame, uh, in the, in that in that sense. Maybe, but the you know the, here's the thing with Trey Burton. Um, I, I think, well, he, if he's healthy, perhaps. And also the thing too, is that, um, I, I even hate to bring this up, but you know, there, there's some, t- there's been a lot of talk in Chicago area. He had some mental health issues and maybe one of the reasons he didn't play in the, in the playoffs against the Eagles was that like he mentally was having a breakdown. So, so I don't know. I mean, that, that would make me nervous. I think there's a reason that, you know, the Colts were able to send him so cheaply, um, and he wasn't a guy that a lot of people, a lot of teams went after. So. Oh, that is such a Homer narrative. Yeah. But no, I mean, I mean, we'll see. I think Doyle is probably better. So um, we'll see. Maybe he's going to be awesome in that offense. I, I don't know. Are you, are you, is, is Trey Burton a guy that you want to try to target? I mean, cause no. he's probably on the waiver wire for you. Will, so you can go. Yeah, grab him. It's fine. But I still think that like that Jack Doyle is, I, I feel like at this point in time, most likely to be a tight end one again, this world we live in is awesome. <laughs> Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I'm starting to fade here. So any other guys you want to mention and other guys that you're higher on or lower on coming out, like now that you're a couple weeks away from the, the NFL draft. Okay. I, got, I want to go through two, uh, because I, I, I looked up these notes. Uh, okay. Go for really it. Sensitive. One is, is Tyler Johnson coming to the university of Minnesota. Yeah. Uh, we, pick. Because he's just, he's just, he, Oh, Ryan. Ryan, Ryan is not. I don't. I don't. I, I'm an Iowa fan, but uh, this is just like a slight rise because I wanted to see his rookie ADP. So he's 31st in uh, non-superflex and 38th in superflex. Uh, he's going to be cheap to acquire. I don't think he he goes off in year one, but the the idea is I, I think Tyler Johnson is actually a really good football player. He never tested. Uh, he was worried about his testing and made the mistake of telling somebody that, so it got publicized. But I don't – like, wide receiver athleticism isn't the number one indicator of their success in the NFL. Uh, I, I think that he could be, like, integrated in that offense. And then let's say Mike Evans – this is whole conspiracy theory here, Ryan. Uh, let's say Mike Evans doesn't mesh well with Tom Brady in Tampa Bay in year one. You know, let's say they're off. You know, they're, they're, they're just not working well together. Tom Brady signed a two-year contract, and he's going to stay there two years. Let's at least, you know – uh, going to the <laughs> that he's going to stay there two years, but but basically like he's going to stay there for two, and Mike Evans and him don't mesh. 
so Mike Evans is now gone. So now we have a again a, a mid round, a mid third round rookie pick. This is a very and, realistic scenario. Your line out. <laughs> oh, Mike I think Evans, it, kick it to the curb. That guy sucks. So, but just somebody because I like Tyler Johnson's talent though. Ryan is the base of this. Like, I think he could be a very productive NFL wide receiver. And getting drafted to Tampa Bay isn't a death sentence. Is what I wanted to go by, because being thirty first in a you know mid you know mid third round and thirty eighth, which you're moving into the fourth round in Superflex ADP, I think this is an easy value for a potential uh, upgrade moving into the year's future. So if again uh, Evans can be can be moved next year without a lot of dead cap in twenty twenty one. So uh, if that offense doesn't gel the same way, because Evans has basically worked with Winston quite a bit over his entire career, if those two don't gel together, he could be gone, and that that offensive team could look different. Is he a guy that you want to target, like in the fourth, fifth round of rookie drafts, or just a guy you're going to keep an eye on? And as you've talked about, was you talked about some of these other guys? You think in a year from now you can get him, maybe even off the waiver wire? Uh, I mean, basically, I'm just uh, uh, under the assumption that it's going to take a while. And I will uh, try to move to get him in the early third round, I guess. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I just – I don't know. I mean, what, what he went in the fifth round um, of, of the NFL draft. I, for me, I, I just kind of write off wide receivers that are taken in the fourth and later um, for the most part. But um, and we'll see. He's got some competition. He's got to beat up my guy Justin Watson there. Uh, who's the other guy? They got Scotty, Scotty Miller, right, the other, other guy, the other wide receiver. So – yeah, I just don't think they're, those guys are big roadblocks. They're only like Justin Watson is just athletic. Like, why are we so worried about that? Well, it, it's an interesting contrast in styles because uh, Tyler Johnson is um, decidedly not athletic um, compared we, to Justin we, Watson. We actually anyway. don't know that though. It's it, it's been so odd. Well, I think they estimated he. Re- I mean, well, well, you're right. We don't know that. We don't know that. So uh, it just it's weird, right? And he didn't get invited. Did he, he didn't go to the combine, right? Was he not invited to the combine, or just decided not to go, Tyler? I think he was invited to the combine, but didn't test. Yeah, that's just, he I had the know. whole he had the whole like East West Shrine game, like invite, but then didn't go. But then wasn't invited to the Senior Bowl. Like he's he's such an interesting, like odd prospect that I'm willing to gamble on the upside at that point in a rookie draft. <laughs> I love guys that get invited to these things and they don't want to showcase their talent. Yeah. Yeah, let's bet on that guy. He has, he <laughs> what has could enough, go wrong? <laughs> enough unknowns, but enough like, production to where I care, you know? No, that's fair. No, he, he has the production. I mean, he was a great college wide receiver, no doubt about that. And he, he you, no, I mean, he could he could certainly have a role in the NFL, and he could even, you know, be a, a fantasy producer if, if things go right for him. And I hope they do. So, well, anyway. In, like, late second round, or early third round rookie picks in, like, non-superflex leagues are, are crapshoots anyway. I'd rather take a, one of the running backs we talked about, one of those fourth round running backs. I, I think I'd rather take Van Jefferson, honestly, than, than Tyler Johnson. I mean, yeah, that's that's fair. <laughs> no, anyway, who's your other guy? Uh, the last person that I've been I've been rising on, and I feel like it's been talked about at least a little bit. And I was listening to the UTH podcast, and is what set this off. But because I I knew another fun fact about this player, uh, but it's, it's Michael Warren, I guess, Junior. He goes by Junior now. Uh, he's the Cincinnati running back that got signed as an undrafted free agent to the Eagles. So uh, I've been rising on him because I think he's like one of those great, like late fifth round ads, especially if you're a taxi squad, uh, you know, one of the the free agents you can pick up again and put in taxi squad. If you have a short roster, this guy, this is, this guy's gone. Like he's not going to, I don't think produce early by any means, but 
he was ranked the eighth running back by Maurice Jones-Drew uh, going into the NFL draft. So he was ahead of guys uh, that, that, that we care about and drafted. Uh, oh, shoot. Ryan, I'm blanking on <laughs> Let's see. Sorry, he was ahead of A.J. Dillon. AJ, uh, okay. As far as Maurice Jones-Drew's rankings. And eighth isn't even that high for rookie running backs. Like, what do you want? You want like a top – we have the top five this year. And after that, I think it's all, it all doesn't really matter. But I looked more into Michael Warren uh, and who he was as a player, tried to find some, like, like some, some writes about him. And people were pretty high on him coming out of his sophomore year because uh, he, he had his biggest season. Uh, he rushed for, let's see, 1,329 rushing yards. He had over 20 catches. His, his yards per catch were pretty low, so I don't think there were anything more in dump-offs. But again, that's like an interesting statistic that projects well to the NFL. Uh, he's five foot nine and two hundred twenty-six pounds, so he, he's he's a thick boy. Uh, he has nine and one is one in uh, eighth-inch hands, which is fine. I like to be a little bit bigger. But his uh, his projected forty time by DraftScouts.com was between four four eight and four six eight. So wide range. I don't know how predictive that is. But again, a UDFA who has athleticism, production, potentially coming out of college and going to the Eagles, uh, I'm just moving up on him. Yeah, and we've seen this happen in, in Philadelphia before. I mean, they, they like to use a lot of running backs, and you've got obviously Miles Sanders, Boston Scott, who was interesting. Um, and after that, though, you know, who's, who is there in the depth chart? I mean, is, is Corey Clement still there? Um, I, I think this is a great name to throw out there, Will, because I, he's a guy you can get um, probably after your rookie drafts off the waiver wire if you want to, or, or get him in the fifth round if you got rookie drafts to go that late. I, I think it's a great name, and he is a guy that could see some relevance. A, a great dart throw, a couple of guys injured in front of him. You know, he could be producing for the Eagles' offense. So, Which also, also, yeah. And also, a quick pivot, Ryan. What's your opinion about Miles Sanders moving in next year? You know, I. I have always been lower on Miles Sanders than, than most. Maybe not always, but I, I think, you know, p- people have really got – I think he's gotten a lot of hype and people are really excited about him, but I just don't ever see him being that true, you know, three-down bell cow running back there in Philadelphia because they just don't do that. I, I know this is like a entire narrative, but it's – it's. I think it's going to stand to be true. So, I, I mean, I like him. I think he's going to be probably a running back too. Um, go, you know, in 2020, but I, I just, I don't know that he's going to, um, you know, I think, I think some people can envision him being like a top five or six running back overall. And I just, I don't, I just don't see that. Yeah. But I'm on the opposite side. I think he has very, very high upside. I don't think the Eagles are going to use him in like a 20 plus touch roll every game, but when it comes to like usage in that offense, I think just under 20 touches a game, can keep him healthy and uber productive. I, I'm very, very, very excited for Miles Sanders' uh, 2020 season, assuming everything goes to plan uh, with being able to play the 2020 season. But I've, I've heard like people, they, they, they have Elijah Holyfield, Michael Warren, Boston Scott. They have all these just a guys behind him. Like Miles Sanders, it's head and shoulders better. It is, it's more likely to produce like winning plays for the Eagles moving into 2020 than any other running back on that roster. I'm just shocked that like all these other guys come into play. I get that the scheme uh, and him adapting last year, we had Jordan Howard, we had Boston Scott, but 
I, I just don't buy into it. I think Miles Sanders is in for a very, very big boom year to where after this year, he's going to be a very nice sell-high candidate. It's, it's possible. It, it's very possible. And maybe he clearly is the alpha and, and you know, he gets a lion's share of, of those backfield touches and those other guys do nothing. I mean, that that's true. Um, so, but, you know, I, I guess if I own Miles Sanders, he's, he's a hold for me. He's not a guy that I, I want to sell, but I'm not looking to acquire him either aggressively. Yeah. And I've, I acquired him in the past two startup drafts because he slipped to the, in that 10 team league, he was in like the fifth round. And then in the 12 team, two tight end league, he slipped to the third round. Uh, I think, Miles Sanders could, as far as like rookie running back contracts, is a steal there, right? I don't see another alpha on that team. It just it, it baffles me that that we think that they're just going to use subpar running backs because they drafted Miles Sanders last year and he didn't really start to progress until the end of last season. I, I just am confused to why a person, a, a player, a running back who was drafted in the second round is very athletic and then started to produce really heavily in the, in the second half of the season, won't become the alpha in that offense. I, I, I'm not worried about these guys. Like, what, what, what am I missing? Well, we have these conversations all the time because teams, they, they, if you're a coach on the NFL team, you don't look at these guys as fantasy assets. You, you look at them as guys that you want to protect a little bit, and it's not healthy to give them um, you know, all those touches. So, and Boston Scott, he's not, not a guy to sleep on. I mean, he's, he's a talented running back is he is he special is he as good as as, as miles sanders absolutely not but um i i, I just think that you know we, we've seen this history you know you look at the history of how they use their running backs i, I mean i think boston scott's kind of like the darren sproles type type guy in that offense so yeah i mean i think that's what it is i, I just think that um uh, they're just not going to use him as much as, as as we want them to use them and, and there's a there is that efficiency argument where maybe he gets x number of touches and is able to do a lot of things with them. And that, that certainly is possible. So I, I do have a question, Will, though, when you talk about Miles Sanders and his value, where do you rank Miles Sanders among the top five running backs in the 2020 rookie class? Like, where would you put him? So obviously we've got Edward Solaire, we've got Taylor, Dobbins, Akers. Um, who, who, who did I forget to name? Oh, Swift, of course, Detroit. Yeah, and and think- then you have... How, where would you rank those guys? I mean, I mean, the, just where would they, he rank among the rookies? Doesn't matter. Yeah, I think he's third. Oh, he's third. Okay. Yeah, I'd take him ahead of Dobbins, Acres, uh, and Swift at this point, pretty easily. Yeah, I think he's probably fifth for me. Uh, Swift has slipped down my board quite a bit because the more I think about it, talking about you know we were talking about regimes and. And uh, like, I just don't trust Detroit as a franchise. I've decided I'm just worried about that. And, and I, you know, I, I don't know. I think that's going to be an interesting backfield. So I I think I would, I would take Dobbins and and Cam Akers over Sanders, but it's close. It's real close. Yeah. I think I would take Sanders because he's again, like just, just value boost. I think at this point next year, Sanders will be more valuable or sorry, like let's go like mid-season. You might have to make a deal because Dobbins has like the upside. Talk about landing spot, like beneficiary, but they did lose Yanda, and and again, God bless the Hawkeyes. Uh, if if they can fill that and tra- transition that well uh, in that in that offense, Dobbins' upside is is just incredible, and I really like that. It's just hard to it's hard to sit on an early rookie running back pick for a year, especially if you're a rebuilding team and you're thinking like. Let's just say, like next year, a couple of your players get hurt. And now you're sitting on Dobbins. 
how are you going to move him and see his value? Like you have to find the right team to trade with. It just sounds like a headache. So that's why I think um, like Miles Sanders would be easier to, to like move and pivot from. Yeah, no, I, I think I think that's, that's fair. Uh, that's completely fair. Uh, it's the two minute warning. Will. what, what say you, what are your final thoughts before we close the show? Yeah, number one, uh, Miles Sanders is going to get more red zone opportunities. There's going to be less scrambling by Carson Wentz because he gets hurt all the time. I think that's a really big upside for him. That that offense will change based on Wentz's fragility. And uh, worst case scenario, uh, Jalen Hurts comes in, and I have a scrambling quarterback, and thus you have the same kind of upside that you have from other running backs with Miles Sanders. I am extremely high on Miles Sanders. He has size, athleticism. Uh, I get that he had one of your production because he was behind Saquon Barkley, but turns out Saquon Barkley went to the Giants, and I think Miles Sanders outscores him this season in PPR fantasy points with no bonuses. So my final thought is that the 2020 NFL football season will happen. It might be a little different, and, and I, I think you're going to see some games, maybe not all the games, but some games played – in empty stadiums with no fans. And, and I think that's going to be very interesting to see what that means and what that's like to watch, <laughs> you know, so guys scores a touchdown there. The, the crowd doesn't go wild. It's just like silence. Do they pipe music in or, or pipe a crowd in? I don't know. So I, I think we might see something we've never seen before NFL football in, in front of, um, you know, a, a stadium, of, you know, that, that, there are no fans. I mean, we've seen it in Chicago, you know, after, after halftime where, you know, all the fans leave. So or like every chargers game. Yeah. 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 That's true. They've, they've done this in Los Angeles before, haven't they? Um, and then I also think that you might see going into next year, the, um, the salary cap number go down because revenue will be impacted by this. Teams won't be ma- making those ticket sales. And for the first time, maybe in hit NFL history, you're going to see salary cap numbers go down. So, I think that will be interesting and see how that impacts what NFL teams do. So um, yeah, so that, that's it. That's the, the fantasy Joes or the Patreon Joes because this was kind of a pseudo Patreon Joes show. So you can find us on Twitter at FF Joes. You can support us on Patreon, patreon.com slash fantasy Joes. On behalf of Will Greenwood, I'm Ryan Livergood, and we are the fantasy Joes. So theory here on these empty stadiums, you have just massive speakers on each side and fans can zoom meeting in or whatever, you know, platform <laughs> wants to sponsor it. And you have thousands of people shouting, shouting, just like, like leaning into their, their microphones or their computers or their phones, yelling into it. And you project that on to the field. I don't think that's a bad idea. That'd be kind of fun. Do do you get as a fan? Do you get like a little camera so you can kind of like see what your view would be like of the field? So you're actually on your PC watching the game, or are you watching the the national broadcast? I mean, I guess you could you could choose both, but I feel like the camera's a little overkill because you're you're there to watch it live, but at home it's a better watching experience to the whole field. But maybe no. we do body. Maybe you do body cams. You can you can uh, you know log into. Maybe it's a if you want to. You know, get Boston Scott's body cam to watch what it feels like to sit on the bench the whole game. Uh, you pay like 45 cents. Oh, nice.